title of the Dharma talk this morning is, sometimes it's hard to come up with a title. I don't have any problem chattering away, but coming up with a topic is sometimes challenging. But the one this morning has, a sh uh, I've talked about this topic several times in different ways, and I think it's a really important one, and one for you to not only contemplate, please ask questions about this, because sometimes this kind of a, of a, of a, a concept is just thrown around without any inspection particularly and it is called belief is ignorance and uh, of course I use visual aids and at arm signals to convey what I'm trying to explain as Desi Arnaz would say. If you look at something and see what it is and you don't you neither believe it nor disbelieve it and you're not looking away you're looking right at it then you're investigating it. Then you're, at, and I'm talking about anything, an object, a concept, an idea, an emotion, a hope, a fear, anything that shows up, whatever it is. This is what this training is about. This is why you come into a room, set up in a certain way with a certain kind of atmosphere and a certain kind of uh, pretty strict forms if you compare it to, you know, your uh, back porch. It's pretty strict, but only comparatively. Once you get in here, this is a pretty good idea. Sit down, hold still, just watch. Just sit, sit down. People call it meditation, but it doesn't really have any name. You start naming it. As soon as you name something, ignorance. It's not, it's not the idea is to, not, is to stop naming. Just realize what naming does. I don't care how erudite or spiritual the concept is. It shuts down on the awareness. So this is, this is basically ignorance. Uh, but also, if I'm I'm looking at uh, Brittany, I'm looking at her. I'm actually ignoring every, everything else just by virtue of the way the setup is in relative truth. Up and down, back and forth, outside, inside, ugly, beautiful, old, young. All those contrasts that we to, do to we use to negotiate our way you know, away from the bad stuff and get to the good stuff. And that good stuff is your concept of it. It's not the actual good stuff. It's very seductive. Three-dimensional reality, very, very seductive. It looks like this is here and that's over there, and it is not. It's a complete hoax, and it's a hoax that's been grasped and bought into for oh, hold on, thousands of years, millions of years. I don't know. We don't even need years. Those are extra. There's just this. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is not to believe what I'm saying, <laughs> of course, but look at, look at it, because as soon as you see something and you start to believe anything about it. I'm not saying that in its, in its uh, the light reflecting off from it, uh, albeit a physical, uh, spiritual, psychological, whatever, but any, however it's appearing, I'm not saying that's disappearing or going away, but you are laminating something over it that is further describing what it is. And a lot of the motivation behind that is to protect your ego. And but you have to see that you're protecting the ego rather than try to stop it artificially. Don't do it ahead of time based on some kind of plans. You might as well be chewing on a menu and expecting to get fat. So belief, anytime you grasp or say, well, this is true. You sometimes will hear conversations between people and I've had them myself. That's how I know about them. Say, well, you, some, you'll make a statement about, you know, all cows are white. And someone might say, do you believe that? You could say, no, I said it, but I don't believe it. All cows are actually black. 
So, you know, I mean, I'm using a, a silly, but it's easier with something silly to actually move it back and forth because uh, we, uh, we don't have uh, attachments. You want to see something with attachments? I'll tell you something with good attachments. And you notice what comes up when I say this. I'm going to do the best job I can to say this. Well, some Nazis are good people. So what does that bring up? It could bring up countless numbers of things like this guy's an idiot. Uh, well, at least he sees some good in the in that approach. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you could go on and on. You could you could write volumes. People have go on Amazon. Bunch of Nazis. There it is. You know, the rest of your life is shot because you're reading about. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. They shouldn't. They should. On and on and on. I say take all of that, including the ones that grab, grasp you the most, that you really think are really really true, and you believe them. Give yourself a break. Take a day off where you don't believe anything. This is a good place to do that. Come in here and train your mind to see clearly. Seeing clearly, thinking clearly is a, is a misunderstanding of what thinking is. Uh, thinking clearly, uh, people who are thinkers, a lot of what is happening there is they are they they need to have very concise, clear thoughts that can that have no air pockets. Have an air pocket and that can be challenged, or you can look at it another way. This is what happens when you hear. Uh, arguments. Watch CNN. Watch watch uh, Jake Tapper. Everybody knows Jake Tapper, right? No? Well, good. You probably don't watch CNN. Yes. How can we move through the mundane world um, and not start grasping at beliefs when there's certain things that you know, like I believe my car is still out in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not a grasping. That's just chances are. So we believe it, and if we're somebody said, "Where's your car?" You'd say, to use that example, which I say quite a bit, "Where's your car?" You say, "In the parking lot," and then you say, "Are you sure?" And then immediately think, "Well, I actually guess I don't really know for sure." Somebody might have. You have a really nice car. You have a nice truck, so maybe somebody stole it. So I think about it every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Need a truck? Yeah, I'm such a thief. It just, it seems like... It was a how can we question. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there's um, so many things working in the mundane world where you almost yes. have to latch on to things in order to move from point A to point B. Um, how do okay. we get from A to B without Very totally good. holding on? Okay, so when I say don't believe your thoughts, I'm also saying don't disbelieve your thoughts. And don't ignore your thoughts. Those are the three poisons trans or, uh, described in a different way. So I would say continue to live, continue to pick things up, put things down, accept, reject, but do it in a, it has to be a real low level and a way that is completely without any warfare. So there's no grasping at something or shoving, or there's no slamming the door and bolting the, that kind of thing going on. This doesn't mean that there's, if there's a, you know, uh, something is coming at you with, with shining eyes and big claws, and you're saying, I believe that's a grizzly bear. No, wait. No, it's, uh, maybe it's a, what's that other kind of bear? Brown bear. What's the meanest of the bears? You know? Cool. Depends who's pissing him off. The person who's pissing him off? Well, it depends on who's pissing him off. Oh, yeah, the koala. <laughs> but they're dangerous because they can. You know, pick your pockets while you're hugging them. 
monkeys do that. If you monkeys are really sweet, but if you're if you have a if anything is sticking out anywhere like your pen or something, like, they got it. <laughs> I saw my uh, my uh, my children's mother. Her purse was just full of stuff, and we owned a, owned a monkey. Uh, and in our, on the kitchen floor, that monkey got her purse and ran with it. He's a little monkey. His name is Willie, about that big. And, uh, and he got that, and it's just like he was dealing out of a deck of cards. He went, <laughs> and the stuff just flew around the kitchen like that. Like he, he just wanted to destroy things. <laughs> he didn't want to care what was in there. He didn't even look at it. It was quite funny. He knew how to accept and reject. <laughs> so when I say don't believe, don't disbelieve, what I'm saying is notice the way in which you believe. You don't really have to stop believing. Actually, if you see the way you're, you're attaching an idea or a, a thought to something without any proof, pretty hard to get any kind of proof anyway. But just as a, because you don't like the feeling of not knowing. This is what happens to ego. Ego needs a cold shower. Ego needs, uh, when I say needs, I don't know what it needs. If you're in this room, then you're probably interested in what I have to say. And I'm saying the self-centeredness needs to be exposed to no reference point for as long as you can do it. And that's one of the things you're doing when you sit down. This is voluntary discomfort. You're sitting down. It's not only physical discomfort, more than likely, but it, after a while, if you do enough of it, it begins to be mental discomfort because you start to see that you have no idea who you are or what is happening, what has value, what doesn't have value. The self-centered mind, the ego mind does not like that kind of, doesn't want to be in front of that kind of an interrogator, that kind of a, an awareness that says, what is this? Don't settle. If an answer comes back, say, what's that? If another answer comes back, say, what is that? Don't accept, don't reject. Don't deny. By asking what it is, you're not really rejecting. You're just having a conversation with your thought process. But yes, it depends on who's teasing the bear. What kind of bear they're teasing. Are koalas really bears? You don't think so? They're marsupials. They're marsupials? Is that a criticism? <laughs> <laughs> Is it? I mean, if do you think uh, that you'd have to have special training to pick a marsupial's pocket? Like, because it, yeah. Yes. Question from Sanho. I know him. He asks, what if I'm looking at Sato's car in the parking lot? What does the ignorance look like in that belief? So uh, the, the way the ignorance, uh, the kind of uh, shuffling around that's happening there is you have ideas about it. It's not that there isn't something there. But to see it as, uh, to not see it as dependently arisen means that you're grasping, however subtly, onto the existence of something. This is a car, it is Sato's car, it is in the parking lot, and there's a, a lot of chatter around that. And we're not saying, I'm not saying, it's not being said, that you have to stop anything, stop or start anything. It's always about awareness. It's always about the space in which things occur. Your, your mind is actually a big, wide open space technically known as an airhead. Yes. Can you have a belief without coming to a conclusion? Yeah, it's called a hidden belief. You haven't really come to a conclusion about it. You, it, you just, it's, you just, it's just true. And if somebody else comes along and helps you aim your head or your awareness towards that and say, you're, here's the pre presumption, the preconception you're working with. You're, you're, you're not even looking at this. You're going out here and giving yourself credentials for all the things you don't believe. So, yes. 
something like a, a the spiritual path, none of us can really know what we're doing or what we're getting into entirely, but some of us continue anyway. Is this a form of belief? Uh, it, may, it might be. It could be. It could be some kind of belief that you know, I've got to have a teacher. I've got to. I have to practice meditation. So why? I don't know. I just. I believe that I do. So could be. Could be something. So I'm not saying get rid of beliefs, uh, even though I say don't believe. But I also say, and before all the breath has left my lungs, also don't not believe. Don't disbelieve. Do nothing with anything. It's the reason I pick up uh, pick on belief is because that's the one that we spontaneously do without even examining. We, we believe things. And, and the interesting thing about uh, relative truth is the way relative truth is structured in terms of separations, uh, it will line up with all kinds of uh, uh, testimonials and all kinds of witnesses and a whole jury to back up your uh, presumption about your uh, belief. So it's, yes. The other side would be Maybe something's not looking so good. You don't really know 100%, but it's not looking good. How do you relate to it without coming out of your prejudice, without coming out of the belief? I think it's the same thing. Do, this is one of the, the teachings that you hear me, very simple, uh, say all the time is don't do anything unless you have to. And you'll feel the pressure to do something. Feeling that pressure to do something uh, should be... Uh, that area should be flooded with awareness so that you can see it can be extremely painful to do that and not act on it. When you have intense feelings of anger, passion, aggression, ignorance, any kind of, uh, of uh, warfare, when they're intense, it's very difficult not to, to actually, because you can, if you do something about it, you actually get out of the suffering uh, for a second or for two seconds or eight seconds. You get out, it gets really, it actually, as soon as you go like this or like that or like, that or like that, the suffering goes down and the self-centeredness gets a little, uh, what did they used to call that? Speedball back in the 50s. So again, it's about awareness. You're, you're not going to be able to flood these emotions and these feelings, which is your job as a, as a meditator and definitely as a student of the Buddha's Dharma. And if you're lay ordained or fully ordained, even more so. Otherwise, why did you come here? If you, I have students who come and, and they have a few lessons and the next thing you know, they want to go somewhere else. And the only thing I can say is, good luck. If they stayed around long enough or gave me a chance or asked me, if they even asked me what I thought, which they don't, and I'm not saying they're hundreds, maybe dozens, really even flocking away. There's such a thing as flocking away. Um, I would say, why would you leave when you've asked to do this, and why would you leave before the lessons are over? Why would you leave? You, you, you have the teacher, as my teacher Trungpa Rinpoche said. You need a teacher so you can leave the teacher. But you can't leave the teacher until you can't help it, until they're, they're, you're no longer. It's called the meeting of the mind, meeting of the mind. So the student and the teacher, or the guru and the chila, or whatever the fancy word for that. So. It's about awareness, and this is what we're doing here. And the karma that is tagging along like so much uh, miserable baggage that seems to be tied to our uh, bootstraps. We're going along trying to get away from the karma, and it needs to be, you need to be aware of that. As uh, Trungpa Rinpoche also said, the only way around, I got to get around this. I got to deal with this. I got to figure this out. He said, the only way around anything is right through the middle of it. And that takes uh, 
but what is a Sanskrit word? Guts. It takes guts to do that and really extreme form of it because as you start to go that way, it starts to get more and more worrisome and more and more you're looking around for, for any kind of reference point that you can have, any kind of confirmation, any kind of judge and jury that you can get on your side to help you get the hell out of here. I've had enough of this teaching. I really need to go, uh, I really need to go, uh, I need to find a really nice teacher. That, that uh, Soka, whatever his name is, is full of himself. Or anything, any other teacher, not just this old man. But any other teacher, anytime you go towards the teacher and you, you say, I want, I want, want, I want your help. I want, I want to be taught. I want you to help me understand. Don't believe your thoughts one way or another. Don't disbelieve them. Don't look away from them. Questions? Yes, sir. Um, should we believe in the vows? Bl vows. So the, the only teaching, the only really solid, firm, verbal teaching I got from uh, my second teacher, uh, Kobanchino Roshi, when I said, uh, I'd like to, they said, I'd like to take the precepts with you. And he immediately, oh, up until that time, he was just a happy old man. He was my age, but he was two years older. And then as soon as I asked him to be my teacher, I mean, that's basically what I was saying, he immediately started teaching. And his demeanor changed, his tone of voice changed, and everything changed. And he said, you don't take precepts, you observe them. So what does that mean? What does it mean to observe? If you're observing something... Are you doing anything with it other than observing it? I'm just asking you, what do you think? Are we taking refuge as an observance? Yes. That's why in our, when you actually formally take the, uh, uh, take, receive, observe uh, the refuge vow. And I, I spent 30 years using the word take. So that's where I was coming from. He knew that. He knew that. It was something people are always saying, I'm going to take refuge. I'm going to take the Bodhisattva. People all over the place. But he could see, and I'm saying I, I don't know what he could see. Maybe he, maybe he doesn't even remember what he what happened. I have no idea. But the way it looked, looking back on it, it's like he could see my own self-centeredness and my uh, uh, totally uh, cemented narcissism. That was very confident that I had made some progress on the path after 20 years or so of doing that. I think he could see that, and I, and he saw the opportunity to. And this is all, and without any thinking at all, he saw the opportunity to correct me. And he knew that's what I needed. I needed to be corrected. So I, and I, I mean, I, I didn't go into, well, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, okay, I'll observe him. No, I mean, that he hit, he hit in such a way that I didn't expect him to immediately go right for, right into where I was the most sensitive, which is worrying about what people think about me. And he immediately judged me. He found the opportunity to judge me in my question to ask to be, I don't know, what do you said? May I observe the precepts with you? And he probably would have said, you don't observe them, you take them. <laughs> and I would have went. That, that same mudra. <laughs> the eye-twisting mudra. Drip, drip, drip. Is that helpful? Yes. Just observe. Yes. Oh, we have four or five people here with questions. Again, um, from Sanho, how do you see whether you're doing something because you have to rather than out of belief? <clears throat> I think you'll see it if you're sitting enough, if you have enough time sharpening the blade, the blade of insight, the blade of prajna, the blade of that wisdom 
mind, if you have, if you spend enough time sharpening that, it doesn't sharpening a blade. If you sharpen a blade for thirty years, uh, you may never cut anything with it. But you might have to sharpen and sharpen when it's time to pull that blade away from the sharpening stone, away from when it's time to bring your awareness away from the cushion and go into action. And that may, may be right now. It may be tomorrow that we're going to be talking on the daily Dharma gathering about the four the Brahma Viharas or the four immeasurables. And that uh, that has to do with uh, meditation and action, basically. A little bit on the cushion, but basically that's about getting up and being kind, basically. Yes. Uh, Jim and uh, William are in Grand Rapids today uh, watching the video. Um, Jim asks, when the ego mind is threatened and the suffering is intense, what is the path through? Uh, basically, it's just hold your seat or hold your position or flash on your body language and notice that if your body is turning at all, if your mind, if your head is dropping, if you're, whatever's happening, observe, observe, use all of the sense fields, not just the thinking process, which is like scrambled eggs, just, just this, just this, how this feels, how this tastes, how this smells. You have an incredible connection with this three-dimensional world uh, called a physical form, an actual manifestation of the, the biology that is here in the form of a, what's called a human being. Don't miss your precious human birth because it's not going to last. Death comes without warning this body will be a corpse. Uh, that's not particularly nihilistic. It's just the truth. So just observe, just observe, just observe. Yes. Uh, from William, yes. is an unrealized teacher beneficial as a teacher? Uh, sure. Depends on where you're at on the path. If you're not ready to hear uh, uh, teachings from someone who is realized, you may have to step down a few notches and get some comfort from somebody who's working with relative truth in a more it's right, it's wrong way. Well, that's not ethical. Go find them. Uh, death still comes without warning. And I would say realize who you are rather than try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to live up to some kind of ideal of awakening. Be who you are. Live your karma. My teachers did, both of them did, especially Trungpa Rinpoche. I'm not defending him. He doesn't need any defense. <clears throat> um, Jim Service, who may be in Arizona or Traverse, I'm not sure which. He asks, how do we know when we're going through and not around? If it, uh, There's lots of ways to talk about this, and I might address it a little bit different with each person. Uh, and I, uh, uh, Jim, with you, I probably would have to sit and talk about what, what aspect of uh, your, the, your coming out of that you're asking this question to see what that is. But probably uh, when it starts to get hotter means you're going into the, it's just like a bonfire. But it's not a physical bonfire, but it's like a bonfire. It might be even hotter. Go through it rather than go around it. And of course, that analogy only works so far. It's like, I, I can hear the question's going to come out. Put on asphalt boots. <laughs> Please. <laughs> My karma really sucks. I've got to have some kind of protection from it. And I would suggest that the person uh, uh, probably uh, spend some time doing Wim Hofing. <laughs> Anybody know what Wim Hofing is? You're a Wim Hofer? I don't know what Wim Hof is. You do you? You like him? <laughs> 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 Keep hanging around here. I'll, I'll put you in charge of the attic. <laughs> huh? Both. Both and neither. 
I might have to come over there and bring my stick. <laughs> I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would. Uh, other questions? No, not yet. Oh, okay. So we might have a minute or so up there. Yeah. Uh, you said, and you have said several times, flash on the body or on other movements. Is there ever time to flash on a thought? Well, I don't think you can help but do that. But flash, the whole idea of flash is, comes from light. Flash, so you see something, you're flashing on it. So that's just, yeah, I think you could. And, and that's what, that's basically what the four measurables are about. You're, you're kind of flashing on uh, equanimity or you're flashing on uh, um, being, uh, uh, sending out, you know, the concept of that using those. That's like when we say, the four, uh, uh, four reminders are uh, first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well favored, difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful. That's a group of concepts that you could actually go in and you know pick each one because each one is you know, that's so it's it's a, it's like a thought. Thank you. Further questions. So we'll we'll close uh, this uh, uh, Dharma talk and then we'll um, we'll those. Anyone here who wants to come back in, we can have the daily Dharma gathering. I invite you to come in and ask questions. The uh, harder the better. And, uh, and then we'll, at that time, we'll be on uh, daily Dharma gathering, which is uh, a Susan Piper. I'd like to call your attention once again to the donation boxes that are in the hallway. Your support is greatly appreciated. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Jeez.